Happy New Year to everyone. How are we all feeling? Still in holiday mode? Obviously. <laughs> Still asleep? Because I looked at, you know, what's going... We're all still a bit jet-lagged from 2022, and so I thought, what, what, what sort of thing do we need to ease into? And so I looked, at, looked online, and I thought, well, we've still got to consider the new year, and I thought, what, what sort of trending? And I, and I came up with this title, How to Conquer 2023 Like a Boss. Uh, that was the one, at least, that was usable in church. Um, a number of members of the team came up with alternative ones, which I actually liked better, but decided that um, Conquer 2023 Like a Boss was a, was a great clickback, uh, clickbait title. I mean, it really sounds badass, doesn't it? I mean, it encapsulates what we're told by the current cultural trends running through movies, TV series, social media, and political trends from workplace politics to government politics. This whole idea of the fact that you are boss of your own life, and you have an inalienable right to be a competent, no-holds-barbed suburban superhero with the chops to take on 2023 and take no prisoners. Hoorah! Stand at ease. Gosh, you are frightening me. You people are... Gosh... And in fact, the transition from one year to the next is often made to look something like this inspiring graphic behind me. We get the feeling that if we can just bridge the gap between a crumbling 2022 and a bright future in 2023, then our future is going to be looking great. And this is, of course, where this, this is the gap where, we, where we, we bridge the gap with New Year's resolutions. And we resolve to get a new job. Some people have actually done that which is good. Some people need to make a resolution to actually do better at their current job, to pray more, to take time off with their family, to get fit, to read the Bible regularly, to eat better, to be kinder to others, to stop smoking, drinking, doing drugs, you fill in the blank, whatever it is that you're wanting to give up, to act on what's actually preached on Sunday. Who put that in? Ooh, someone's got security issues. And the list goes on. But whatever it is, it will fix our life and we will conquer 2023 like a boss. Whatever we resolve to do, I don't know about you, but there's this pervasive, pervading, excuse me, I can't even read my own typing. <laughs> there's this pervading sense that whatever we resolve will fix our world and we will be on track for an amazing 2023. And as we can see in this graphic, this idea of a leap, which only requires a successful landing to be effective. Yet how are we doing? Here we are, January 8th. Let me tell you, I'll confess that my gym membership is 8-0 at the moment. Eight days of payment, zero days of attendance. <laughs> hey, I'm on holiday and I've been away camping, all right? But most of us have a tendency to either totally renege on our New Year's resolutions or we let them slowly slide to some degree. That is if, if you make New Year's re res resolutions. Some of us have let them slide so much so that we approach the New Year and we think, nah, didn't work last year, it's not going to work this year, not even going to try. And so when we, take, when we take this approach to anything requiring change or, or just new, it doesn't have to, be, have to be New Year, it puts all the emphasis on us and our performance to determine how our future is going to look. 
When we fail, even slightly, it takes the wind out of our sails and we often move into put-off-itis, a new word I just coined, where our failure leads us to put it off till next year. And often this starts, you know, early January. Hasn't worked for a week, let's try again next year. Well, I've got good news for you. Our failures do not disqualify us for success in God's eyes. In fact, there's a quote from the great preacher Charles Spurgeon, which goes, God uses people who fail because there aren't any other kind around. (laughs) So why don't we take the pressure off ourselves, stop following the world's way of thinking, and begin to operate out of a different reality? Instead of asking the question, how do we conquer 2023 like a boss? Let's change things up and ask this question. How to conquer 2023 like he's the boss. God's vision for us moving into 2023 is one which calls us to walk by faith rather than take a leap of faith. God isn't just looking at 2023, but further into the future. And I believe he wants us to have that same forward thinking. A bit like this picture. Instead of jumping, we need to be walking that path, looking into the future. Now, notice that it doesn't look any less tumultuous than the first one. There's still a lot of challenges, still a lot of ups and downs. Sorry? (laughs) So it was late at night and I transposed a couple of my uh, my numbers. I do apologise, that wasn't meant to be prophetic in any sense of the word. (laughs) I I haven't invented time travel. Um, But who knows, it's good to look far into the future sometimes. (laughs) Anyway, so if we're going to operate out of God's reality, what steps do we need to take? Well, over the next four weeks, we're going to be exploring how I believe God wants us to approach this very question. And the first thing we need to realize is that 2023 is going to be different to 2022 whether we do anything about it or not. The one constant we have in this world is change. But if we want to be a part of the change rather than have it wash over us like some beached fish in the surf, guess what? We must change. But hang on, I hear hear you say, God doesn't change. So why should I? If we look in Hebrews 13 verse 8, it says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I have bad news for you. It's talking about Jesus' character. Jesus' character doesn't change, but the things he does change on a daily basis. And so that's not a good thing to rest your hopes on, that you shouldn't change. God meets us where we're at. Now, this is true. A great example, of course, is in Acts chapter 9 where Saul is on the road to Damascus. In verse 4, it says, He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. And so Saul, of course, was on his way to kill Christians. So there's no doubt that Jesus met him where he was at. And he wasn't in a good place. But we have to look at what was the consequence of Saul meeting Jesus. He was transformed into Paul and became the greatest evangelist the church has known. 
I saw a, a clip recently where someone was querying a pastor about salvation. He says, do I have to give up smoking pot to meet Jesus? And the pastor said, no, you don't. And he says, no, no, I don't think you understand. I smoke marijuana. Do I need to stop that before I meet Jesus? And the pastor said, no, you don't have to change your life to meet Jesus. We don't have to tidy ourselves up before we can meet God. I mean, Pastor Vicky will tell you she's cleaned houses professionally for many years. And she says 90% of the clients that she has clean their house before she comes. It's like they don't want to admit they're dirty and they need a cleaner. So they tidy up before she comes. But even though they know that, anyway, it's, 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 it's a weird mentality. And we have that. We sort of think we've got to tidy up our lives before we can come to Jesus. But the, the great thing is, and you know, when we meet Jesus, that's true. But the point is that we meet Jesus to walk with him. And our walk with Jesus needs to make change happen. And it's Jesus who makes that change happen. So if you want to know whether you're walking with Jesus, ask yourself, is change happening for the better? Most of us are unlikely to have a road to Damascus experience where God's desire for change in us is made so blatantly clear. So the problem we face is shown in the following illustration. How many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? One, as long as the light bulb really wants to change. And that's the problem with us. We know that change is necessary, but do we really want change in our lives? Now, some of us really don't. And they want others to do the changing instead of us. And even my talk today referred to the last point of uh, um, New Year's resolutions, actually doing what is preached on a Sunday. Um, we want others to do the changing. But I think that we all have to admit deep down that change is necessary. But we're often not sure how to go about it in a way that we don't fall into the trap of the world's way of trying to conquer 2023 like a boss. So for week one, I'm going to give you some homework to get started on conquering 2023 like Jesus is the boss. So there are four things we need to, we need to look at for this. Is it a given that we need to change? Can I see a show of hands? Everybody agree we need to change? Yeah. Uh, the cameras will show who didn't put their hands up and I'll speak to you all later. Um, the first thing is, okay, how or what are you going to change? You need to pick something. Don't try and change everything at once. You don't even have to try and change something in a big way. But you need to decide, are you going to change an attitude, an action, or a habit? What is it that you want to change? Are you going to stop doing something or start doing something? Because of that, are you actually going to need to, to add a new location to your schedule? Are you going to have to put extra time in your schedule? Do you need external resources? Now, that's not an excuse to think, oh, well, I need to, I need to uh, get fit, so I'm going to buy the best gym equipment or whatever's on TV from Denos Direct. Let me tell you, sitting in a chair with that machine that has walking technology in it is not going to get you fit. Um, anyway, uh, these are some of the questions you might need to answer moving forward. Once you've decided what you're going to change or what changes you're going to make. You don't have to stick to one. 
You've, made it, you've decided to make a change for 2023. Ask yourself the next question. Why are you going to change? Because if you don't have a why, the how doesn't matter. And it's got to be a good why. Because I should is not a good why. Find at least one compelling motivation. You know, some people go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, if you don't change something, you're going to die. That's pretty good motivation. Um, hopefully, most of us aren't in that boat. But we, we need to have something that's going to carry us through the hard times, a reason that is significant enough and important enough that we're going to continue the how even when it's uncomfortable. The third thing is a bit of a strange one. Who are you going to do it with? Most of us fail at our goals because we try and go it alone. Now, some things, you have to go it alone. You can't get somebody to join in. But if you can't, I encourage you to get somebody you can be accountable to for that change, even if they're not joining in. And it has to be someone you trust and someone you know who will be mean to you if you fail. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I mean, if it's, if it's something physical, fitness-wise... Get at least another person. Do it in a group. There is nothing more motivating than the fact that you're going to let four other people down if you don't turn up. At least for me. Some other people may not care. But, um, <laughs> but I think one of the things that we're not taught is the fact that, and we talked about this all last year, church is a community. If we're going to set goals, if we're going to move forward, especially if it's, if it's church-related, it might be read my Bible more, don't do it alone. Get a group of people together. You want to pray more. Get together. Find somebody who says, you know, Pete, will you pray with me at 5.30 every morning? Pete says, no way, Jose. <laughs> um, but, you know, find somebody to help you achieve your goal and you can help them achieve your goal. And the last thing is work out how you're going to measure the change. All too often, we start something within a week, you know, we go to the gym and we look and we think, it's not doing anything. And it hurts like hell. And, well, I'm not doing this anymore. Because we're not thinking long term. That, that picture with the, the, the timeline to 2205, um, we, ne we need to at least have the end of the year in mind. If, if I start going to the gym three times a week now, by December, something should have changed even if I only managed two times a week, and even if some weeks I missed a few, I can still be different by December than I am now. So look for the long-term and lasting, long-lasting results. Don't expect instant change. Persist in the face of diversity and adapt to the pressures of life. And we'll be talking more about these topics in later weeks. So let me give you a simple example just to finish. Now, this is, this is just looking at an average person. If we look here, we've got, uh, let's call him Jim. Any, any resemblance to me is totally coincidental. This is Jim. He has a good job, average job in our church. Let's say he's an OT. Um, and uh, his goal for 2023 is to get rid of his dad bod to reveal his six-pack. So the first question, how or what is Jim going to change? Now he's going to change his degree of muscularity, if you like. So why is he making this change? Is it just so that he can pose in front of the mirror? Probably not. It's probably so that, sorry, what was that? 
Oh, I see. Rude people in the second row. Um, so why is he got, it, it may be that he's got a wedding coming up and he wants to be toned for the wedding. It may be that he's been to the doctor and his fitness uh, is compromised and he needs to do something about it. Um, but he needs to have a, a good reason to make the change. Now, this is where the third thing comes in. Who's he going to do it with or be accountable to? Because if you are an OT here and, and if you are a, a, a gym uh, rat, um, you will know that just going to the gym actually isn't going to achieve that, is it? Because lifting weights builds muscles, but you know, if your six-pack's hidden behind a keg, nobody's going to notice. <laughs> and so he needs somebody that he can be accountable to or to do it with who's going to say, oh, by the way, Jim, you might need to change your diet. And a bit of aerobic exercise might be handy as well. This is why you don't go and do things alone, because you know, it's a great idea to go to the gym, but if he has... Un and that's the G-Y-M, not the... G I shouldn't have called him Jim, should I? <laughs> um, but that, that's... Yeah, he, he needs guidance in, in how to achieve what he wants. And the other thing is, how is he going to measure the change? Well, it's obvious he's going to look different. But it's a question of, okay, when does he want to look different? How is he going to put a plan into action? Because he's not going to look like that after a week. No matter what they tell you on TV with the Tebow massage chair and all, all the rest of it. Um, but we have, to, we have to be able to measure the change and persist. Luke 14, 28 says, Don't begin until you count the cost. For who would be, begin the construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? So, count the cost, make a start. Has that helped anyone? Are we, are we actually ready to do Because next week, I'm, I'm going to talk about how we have to adapt to changing circumstances. Because who knows, there's a, there's a famous saying uh, in war that uh, no, no plan of battle survives the first minute of combat. And so no plan, no New Year's resolution often survives the first week of life because things change. People get new jobs. People organise to do things in the morning and, and suddenly you discover that you're uh, babysitting the kids that morning. Um, it happens a lot. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, there's all sorts of different things that we've got to learn to take changes in our life in stride uh, yet still fulfil our goals. And so we'll be talking about that next week, about having the flexibility to adapt to changing circumstances. So can, can, as I finish, can I ask you all to, just to stand? I talked earlier about how God meets us where we're at, but he meets us so he can take us on a journey, and the journey involves change. And so if you're feeling bold this morning, I'd like you to pray a prayer with me. Because sometimes speaking things out loud can be very powerful. We can think things in our lives and we can, we can hold them inside us. But they actually don't often become real until we're actually prepared to speak it out. So I want us to pray about meeting Jesus, but also walking with Jesus. I mean, you may be here this morning, you haven't met Jesus. You may be here this morning, you've met Jesus, but he's way ahead. You're lagging behind a bit. And you need to catch up. But we need to make a pledge to actually change 
our lives. So let, let's just pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for meeting me. Thank you that I didn't have to change, that you met me where I am. I pray right now that as we walk, you change me, that I become the child of God that you have destined to me. Sorry, destined me to be. I can't even lead you in prayer. Lord, thank you for being my saviour and my king. I am following you faithfully from this moment on. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've prayed a prayer like that for the first time, I'd love to come and talk to you about that decision afterwards. But if you haven't, then I'm holding you responsible right now to actually follow Jesus do what he says and uh, do what the guy up the front says preaching as well, which is always good. Thank you, Carmen.